the crew all season long on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue. Here is your host, Dominic Catronio. Man, what a bleeping win. Ten innings long in San Diego. The reunion with Hader. Brewers win 4-3. to three. Man, they needed that one. Uh, finally, th- that was one of the first games you really felt the tension all the way through it. Never felt comfortable with the lead. Of course, Grisham ties things. Then the epic ninth inning of Hader and Williams. And then the Brewers take the lead without a hit, and they were able to hold on. So a lot to break down from this one. I'm Dominic Catronio. Jeff Cirillo is with us once again here tonight. Jeff, there are so many ways that we can go with this. Uh, I I feel like, though, I want to start by making sure we give credit to somebody that's going to get lost in the shuffle in the story of this game, and that Colin Ray delivered a fantastic start in spot fashion. Six strikeouts in five and two-thirds, two hits, just one run, both hits coming in the first inning. For me, I know the Brewers won late in the home run ball, and Rowdy Telez had a great day. For me, the story is Colin Ray. What about you? Yeah, you know, just another great signing acquisition by the Brewers, right? The guy was in Japan, kind of didn't really have great success, but there's been a lot of guys that have had success going over to Japan, Nick Martinez being one of them. That you know, I mean, I've been over to Japan, and I just know how, how hitters are, and you really got to work, and you saw it today with Ray. I mean, he was throwing all four of his pitches, pitching to the top of the zone with his fastball, and really had good glove side command with his fastball, but he gave him a great start with five innings, and... Just for the doctor ordered, right? I mean, they, they've already lost Woodruff. You know, they're on a long, long uh, span of games, and so they're going with a sick man rotation. He pitched well at Nashville in his two starts, and they called him up. And it was a big-time performance, too, because obviously the plan was to not face the heavy hitters a third time, you know, the Sotos, the Machados, and everything, which I totally understand. But for him to get into the sixth inning, knowing that that was probably going to be his leash, I mean, he did not fa- he faced the minimum after the first inning. He allowed the walk, the nine-hole walk, which I said was playing with fire. More on that later. But allowed the nine-hole walk to Nola, which just can't happen, but then induced the double play against Machado on a gutsy 2-0 cutter. Uh, I I just really want to make sure that we give Colin Ray his due because he kept them off balance. And aside from Machado's opposite field homer, that was a wall scraper. I I really thought he pitched an effective you said it on the corners, used everything. His slider was nasty. Uh, he, he really dotted that sinker on the comeback fashion, like on backdoor fashion a few times. Is there something to a guy coming back from Japan from a foreign league and having a bit more command? I mean, he, he was pinpoint control all night long. Yeah, I mean, just over there, I mean, it's it's really funny you say that because it's such a contact-oriented sport in Japan. You know, the guys are always battling and. It's hard to strike out guys over there, so you got to really use all your pitches and manipulate them. And I think he did an outstanding job of establishing glove side fastball command, and then he was throwing all four pitches, and everything seemed to be working. He really got no groove after the first inning. I do want to talk about you as a third baseman, the play in the 10th inning. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That play by Willie Adamas feeding Brian Anderson on the ground ball that was hit to the left. Like, if I'm the runner on second base, right, if I'm Dixon, and I see the ground ball hit to my left, I'm going. That has been a, you know, a thought ever since Little League, right? 
it's not like he's making a bad play. It's just that Adamas is making a better one. And Anderson, knowing that Adamas was going to try to make that play, was already heading to the bag as well. Take me into the communication. Is, is that Willie giving you a heads up if you were his third baseman of a play like that or on a sack bunt defense, things of that nature, to be ready for that throw from Willie? No, I mean, when you're just standing around a field, I mean, you should always be going to a base. doesn't matter. Whenever ball's in play, it's really great. And you have a great, great eye up in the up in the press box where you can really see how everything works together in symmetry. Like if a ball's hit to the middle field, the center fielder's coming in, the, the right fielder's moving over, third baseman's there at the back for a play at the place. I mean, it was just an amazing play. It seemed like Adamas was kind of holding, holding him tight, the runner, at second base, pretty tight, the pinch runner. And um, I don't think he got a great jump off of off of second base or secondary wasn't great. But Adamas really came in quick, short up. And I've really never seen the arm strength that he had, but that was a, a bazooka. It's a really tough play because he's got to throw it basically inside the runner's left ear. And Anderson's a little bit shaded because the ball's basically coming in a blind spot. So you could see how he's kind of in a, in a funny area of catching the ball because you really don't work on that play in spring training. Sure, you work on the ball that's in the 5-6 hole and you just kind of rotate back over and take the backside of the base, but that one's inside the bag. So it was a great play. It was an instinct play, but you saw a ton of instincts in that last inning. Yelich stealing third. Even in Adam's play was great, but even Telez coming off the bag, there's a lot of first basemen that would hold the base, but Telez saw that right away that Sokar was going to make it, and he peeled off that base to keep that ball in front of him, to keep it at first and second. Yeah, I, that's a good call there too, Jeff, because obviously if he lets that ball get by, there's a chance that the tying run comes around to score or at second and third. You have to think about a walk, and it gets even more complicated. That tenth inning was full of drama. Even the ninth inning with Hayter versus Williams, we could talk more about that coming up in the next segment too, but uh, just serious bullpen drama in this one. Peter Strzelecki, man, an inning and a third, took a ball off the foot. We can talk about the bullpen a little bit more coming up in the next segment as well. I do want to thank Fifth Third Bank, our presenting sponsor of Brewers Extra Innings this season. A local Milwaukee team, Fifth Third Bank, also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. We're just getting rolling here with you till 1 o'clock this morning. Uh, late night out here in Wisconsin, but they're getting ready to go. Game 1 of 4 against the Padres goes to the Brewers in 10. More to come with Jeff Cirillo after this. Win game one of four in San Diego. It's not going to get easier. You Darvish is waiting at the end of this. Turns out they're not going to miss Darvish and Snell. They'll still get Big U coming up at the end of this series. But taking game one is huge. I'm Dom Catronio with Jeff Cirillo. Thanks for staying up late with us tonight. Let's use this time now talk a little bit more about the performances from the bullpen here, Jeff. Uh, mentioned Peter Strzelecki. We can talk about Matt Bush. and I mean, he re was really one pitch away from getting out of that uh, tough eighth inning. Devin was disgusting. Uh, and then Yoel Payam's finishing off there in the tenth. I want to start with Peter Strzelecki. Uh, he knew he was going to be the first man up, and he was going to have the tough task of Manny Machado to make sure that nothing else was going to score uh, after Ray got out of the game, as scheduled, saying, hey, you're going to face, you know, twice through the order and then let the bullpen handle it from there. And he got the assignment of Manny Machado, and he struck him out. Peter Szeslecki 
has got a scoreless streak going right now. Craig Council said it really well the other day. He's been a big league pitcher ever since he arrived. I mean, it's not a surprise to the Brewers whenever he pitches well. He's off to a six and a third innings scoreless to start this season. He has not allowed a run since September 16th of last season. And Strezlecki's a guy who wears it off the ankle, still gets the inning-inning double play. I, I, I think Brewers fans are kind of, you know, this is not normal to just keep churning out great relievers over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, uh, they just do a great job. I mean, he's similarly like, filling in for what Boxberger did, right? Boxberger had a bounce back two seasons, I think, with the Brewers. But, I mean, this is a guy that he just kind of was an understudy to those other guys, and now he's filling a major role in a winning pitching in winning situations, not losing situations, because there's always there's always a big difference, right? You know, I remember some of my managers that I've had in the past, you know, it's like you pitch your winning pitching when you're winning, and you pitch your losing pitching when you're losing. And, of course, it's always that that can rotate as the season goes along. But Trisaki has learned, earned the trust of of the the uh, coaching staff, and I mean he's getting big innings, and it doesn't really matter who he's facing. And, and I think you know you, we all get wrapped up in who gets what inning, right? Who gets the seventh? Who gets the eighth? Who gets the ninth? And to what you're saying, guys that are getting outs, they felt confident that that third time through the order against the meat of the order, they were trusting Peter Strezlecki. That matters. That speaks echoes to his development and to the rest of the bullpen. They are able to trust this young kid who just arrived last year in order to have those big, giant outs against, you know, the icons of the sport, really, the guys that really are taking over. And, you know, really, the when you think of the Padres, Bogart, Soto, Machado, Nelson Cruz, Cronenworth, those are the guys you think of. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it doesn't matter. I think that the Brewers have done a great job. I mean, I just go back to when Varland closed out the game against the Cubs with the wind blowing out in that last game of the series. So, I mean, these all these guys are, are battling. And when you're down there in the bullpen, you kind of just like, you know, it's a band of brothers. And when everyone's doing well, there's an internal competition to keep it up. And uh, I think that they all have a, a nice competitive rivalry going with each other. But it helps the Brewers, obviously. And, and I want to go out on a limb here. Uh, Matt Bush did not pitch bad tonight. He really did not pitch poorly tonight. Trent Grisham sat on a curveball. It wasn't a bad. It wasn't a hanger by any means. He sat on it. He got it, and he drilled it. The mistake that Bush made was the walk to Matt Carpenter. But honestly, I'm not mad at the way that he pitched tonight. I thought he battled, and Grisham. It's kind of like a basketball analogy, right? You know, you can play perfect defense, and the guy can still hit the shot over you, and you say, all right, well, he did it. And Trent Grisham, he hit a home run on a pitch that's very hard to hit a home run on. And then he – and kudos to Bush. He follows that up by striking out Manny Machado right after that, right? He still had it in him. He was touching 95. I'm a big Matt Bush believer. I think the curveball has been great this season. And sometimes you tip your cap to the other side. I thought Trent Grisham just got it. And that's the way I, I look at it. I don't look at this as, oh, my gosh, Matt Bush blew it again. Another guy just performed a little bit better than Bush did tonight. Now, it's one of those ones that, that Matt Bush, is, his best pitch is his curveball. And also, on the flip side, Nick Martinez's best pitch is usually his curveball, too. But when you throw into that loop zone for the lefty, sometimes it doesn't matter how good it is. It's that barrel tracking down and in breaking ball that's a strike to a lefty. That's a dangerous pitch at times. And for... Then to follow up, tie game, Josh Hader gets the top of the ninth inning for the Padres. 
And he handled it pretty well. Uh, you know, no problem. He got Yelich there in the end as well in a one, two, three inning. But man, Devin Williams, once again, the meat of that order. And I also will will William Contreras might have had his best framing game of his life. He was stealing low strikes. The low strike was there all night for Mark Rippinger, but he continued to get it. Juan Soto was absolutely flabbergasted. That strike through was called. He was ready to do the Soto shuffle up the first baseline. And then from there, another strikeout on a fastball against Bogarts. And then he gets Cruz on the changeup after falling behind 2-0. Devin Williams, man. Like, everyone in the ballpark knows the changeup's coming. And he's still getting guys out on it. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, it's one of those ones. I remember when Trevor Hoffman used to pitch. And I think that Devin Williams' changeup actually is better than than Trevor Hoffman's. But, I mean, it's one of those ones when you go into a scouting report, it's like, you know, I'm going to look for his changeup. I'm like, well, why are you going to look for his changeup? I mean, it's it's pretty unhittable, even if you're looking for it. So, But for him, I think that there was three really defining moments in that game when you bring it up, and usually in the next segment. But that was one of them, the 3-2 pitch on Soto where he froze him at the knees. And granted, the, the strike, I thought that was a strike, but definitely Contreras did a great job at the bottom of the zone, stealing a lot of pitches for the Brewers tonight at that bottom of the zone. But I think for that pitch, that 3-2, having the guts to throw it. And, and he was sharp, I mean, for not having to pitch in a long time. He was very sharp tonight. He, he was great. I mean, we joked that the Rays, in, in their 13-0 start, they have been calling their closer, Peter Fairbanks, Peter Rarebanks, because he's not getting in the game. Devin's not getting in the game either. And for him to look like that against maybe the best 3-4-5 in all of baseball, and to do that, striking out the side, man, that was absolutely epic stuff. And then finally, Piomps in the 10th. I, I look at, yes, he gets benefited by that great play by Willie Adamas. It doesn't mean he's out of the woods by any means. You still got a man on first and only one out. Yes, a ground ball could end it. Uh, he gets Kim to line out. Azokar with the infield hit, and you mentioned the great play by Telez to just come off the bag and block it. To then, you know, bat down the hatches and make sure he got Campusano as opposed to facing the top of the order once again. The nine-hole hitter for the Padres sits in just a, a perfect spot. Anyone would want to be the nine-hitter on this team, knowing how much you have coming up behind you. That, that nine-hole walk in the eighth inning led for Grisham to get the home run opportunity. And then you knew it was in the back of the mind for Piomp saying, i got to get Campusano here. Strikes him out on a nasty slider. And here's a guy in, in Piomps who has been a journeyman, hasn't been able to stick. He's been out of options. Nobody knew if he was even going to make the team coming out of spring training. And he has performed since he arrived with the Brewers. That's some seriously mental fortitude from him to perform like this for the Brewers. Well, I don't, I don't think it's ever been a lack of talent or, or, or stuff-wise for Piamps when he was with the Royals. He always had really good stuff. It's just a matter of harnessing it and maybe putting him in a, in a position where he'll be successful, where tonight they needed him as extra innings. They'd already gone through Williams and Bush, so he was the next man up. And, uh, I mean, going back to that thing, I, I don't really really want to speak on the Adamas play, but, look, if, if Adamas just takes the out at third, you know, or, or takes the out at, at, at first – or even if he gets to second or just whatever stays at second, I mean, you have a, sack, a fly ball that goes to center field. That's going to score him from third. And then you have the infield base hit by Asokar that also would have scored the run. So that play that Adamas made was an incredible play. Yeah, that's a great call there, Jeff. Good good observation as well. Uh, a text in here from Josh. The win took some guts. 
The offense did enough to pick up the pitching, and hats off to Ray for his performance tonight. What was your key takeaway from this one? I think it sounds like for you it was the Adamas. We can get into the defining moment in the next segment. For me, the big takeaway was the fact that Rowdy Telez arrived. Rowdy Telez had himself a good game. We could talk a little bit more about him and the offense in the next segment, too. Rowdy gets the clutch sack fly in the 10th inning to bring home the, the eventual winning run. He hit the ball hard in pretty much all of his at-bats today, even drew a walk in the third, including the home run in the first. For me, Roddy Telez is is starting to show signs of life again, which is great for the entire lineup. I, I agree. I mean, I have always liked this guy. I think he's got good instincts. I think he's got some leadership skills out there. He just looks confident to play. He always looks like he is a threat. And um, and tonight, I, I was actually kind of surprised that Bob Melvin, when Yelich stole the base, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't walk uh, to Les to just load the bases together, just just based on how how Tellez was swinging the bat tonight. Yeah, I, I I'm not against that. I want to talk more about managers in the next segment as well. We're going to take a quick breather. Back with more with our defining moments coming up after this. Time for us to put uh, our manager hats on, our analyst hats on, whatever you may call it. This is time for the difference-making moment of the game. Brought to you by Annex Wealth Management. Annex Wealth Management is different, not driven by commission sales or by pushing financial products you may not actually need. It's for elite, comprehensive financial planning customized to who you are and what you need. Contact Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. There are a lot of difference-making moments in this game, Jeff. It's almost impossible to pick one. We've already talked about a couple in this game. What's your difference-making moment in this one tonight? Well, I, I'm going to go with my, my original one was Williams, a 3-2 pitch on Soto, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to go with Yelich. You know, he was 0-4 at the plate, but he's still, like I said, you know, Christian Yelich brings a lot of instincts on the bases, and he stole third to put himself in position with first and second and, and not only get that first run over to third with no outs, you know, just giving to Les. I mean, I know being a hitter, it's a lot easier to hit with the guys on third with less than two outs than, than him being on second base. So I'm going to go with Yelich stealing third base in the, in the top of the 10th. I'm going to go with the defining moment was in the bottom of the 10th inning. Yes, the Adamas play was big and, and such a clutch call by him. But I want to bring up something. I think Craig Council absolutely outmanaged Bob Melvin tonight. And I was shocked, absolutely shocked, that they didn't even at least ask for a review or even use a challenge on that tag at third. Because the more and more I look at that tag, the more and more doubt I have that Anderson got it on him. And also, with Kim getting hit in the foot and hobbling around, he didn't know if he was going to be able to continue at bat, Bob Melvin had already emptied his bench. So there was nobody else available, say if he wasn't able to play defense, there would have been nobody else available to do that. Uh, I thought... Council knew his bullpen was deeper than Melvin's, and he flexed its muscles. I mean, we didn't even see Hobie Milner in this game tonight, and he was up and loosening and getting ready to go. Strezlecki was fantastic tonight. Obviously, no Varland. Didn't even use Bryce Wilson in a day that you maybe would have expected length, given, you know, Colin Ray's situation. I thought that was the biggest moment that they didn't challenge, and just an overall thought. I thought Craig Council outmanaged his mentor, Bob Melvin, tonight. Yeah, I thought I was a little surprised, too. I mean, I only got a couple reviews on it, but it was really nothing definitive. And now that you have this pitch clock, I mean, you, everything is going so much faster. But, you know, in that in that situation at the end of the game, you might as well just, you know, throw it up to chance and just 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 for whatever. Let's just take a longer look and see. I was surprised that they didn't challenge that play for sure. 
I mean, it's the bottom of the 10th and you're losing. You may not get another chance to use it. I, I was absolutely aghast at them not using it. And I've known Bob for a long time. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right. The 15 seconds caught up to them quickly. It's never just on the manager. But I would have been, you know, I would have been totally okay if he just put the, the hands over the ears and said, just do it. You know, we need, we need to see it. And, you know, we'll never know. It's kind of one of those wink, wink, move on. And everyone forgets about it. Uh, I want to talk about Mike Brasso before we let you go. Brasso, you know, he gets the home run to make it a three-run game in the fifth inning. I've been begging for him to get some more at-bats. He's now played in three consecutive games. Craig Council has said ever since the beginning he's going to continue to ride hot bats no matter who it is, no matter what the situation is. And I don't want to bag on Luke Foyt, but he's been off to an ice-cold start. I wonder when they consider putting Brasso over at first base and Voigt keeping him as a DH on the days that the lefty's in the order because Brasso deserves to be in there, and Brasso continues to prove he's not just a utility guy. He can hit, and he continues to do so picking up where he left off in spring training. Yeah, that's a, that's a, and it looked like it was kind of an overcast night in San Diego and not the easiest place, and he's not a big guy. So for him to generate that much, I mean, that's a big boy territory out there in center field at Petco Park. And, uh, and so, like you said, I mean, you ride the hot, hot hand, and, and players appreciate that. They really do. You know, you can always say, well, you know, we're paying this guy. He's supposed to be there, so we're just going to keep throwing him out there. With a guy like Brasso, though, you ride, ride the hot hand. I love it. And, and one more note on the offense, and one more guy I want to point out. Uh, Willie Adamas drew two walks tonight. He is not a guy known for drawing walks. He also lined out to left center a ball he just missed. I think Willie's off to a great start as far as seeing the ball, being selective. Like we said, he is not a guy that draws walks. The fact that his on-base percentage is still over 350 this far into April, uh, normally he's a notorious cold starter. I think this is a sign of things to come from Willie. When he's patient, more damage can come because pitchers are realizing, oh no, he's not chasing as much anymore. We have to attack him and he can dominate the strike zone. He rarely swings and misses on pitches in the zone. It's when he's chasing is when he's getting in trouble. Right, that's a great point you make. And, and with the, the analytics and all the information they have today, if they're like, look, if you can just drop your chase rate by 5%, you know, this is what your numbers would look like, you know. So then you really start to buy into it and be like, here's what you hit inside the zone. Let's get stingy with that. It starts in batting practice, you know, and just instead of maybe looking to launch in batting practice, you know, and, and he's already been rewarded with hitting, I think it's two home runs, basically one to center and then one to, to right center field for his home runs this year. So when you see that you're getting results by letting the ball travel and drawing more walks and your batting average picks up, it's nice. It's a nice feeling to have. It really is. I mean, it, it when you see that on-base number continue to climb and, you start seeing more strikes all of a sudden that you can do damage with. Everybody's happier. Your coffee tastes better. Uh, you sleep better at night. You know, all that stuff. It all adds up over time. Jeff Cirillo, you know about all that stuff. Thanks for joining us, as always, here on Brewers Extra Innings. We'll be back with you again tomorrow night talking Brewers and Padres. One more late night before they're in your neck of the woods in Seattle coming up next week, too. Oh, I love it. All right, Dom. I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Awesome. Jeff Cirillo joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. We're going to talk about who's hot and who's cold. Coming up next, counsel and highlights to come later on Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers win 4-3 to three in 10 innings tonight. Our thanks once again to Jeff Cirillo. 
Time now for Who's Hot and Who's Cold, brought to you by Cider Heating and Cooling. Trust in your family's comfort at home with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider's highly trained technicians provide a one-stop shop for all home and business comfort needs, including an emergency service line that's always live. Get peace of mind by scheduling maintenance today with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider.com. Who's hot? I mean, the pick today is obviously Roddy Telez. He's responsible for three of the four runs batted in. He gets the home run in the first inning. He adds the sack fly in the tenth inning. He opens and closes the book in this contest. I mean, who's cold is really subjective at this point. I don't want to bully Luke Voigt, like I said earlier, but I would like to see him start getting off to a better start. He would tell you the same thing. One thing that we did notice tonight, though, he was taking a bit more controlled swings. He was kind of robbed a couple of times. Also, Brian Anderson snapped an 0 for tonight. He was 0 for 18 before that single he had in the uh, eighth inning. So those two guys, now Anderson's had that great start. He has really cooled off since. Would love to see those, those two guys get off the ground here moving forward. Another thing, another observation I was having talking with the guys here in, in Wisconsin talking with Craig Kishan, who will be on the show this weekend, saying that this is the week that the honeymoon for the rookies is officially over, right? Where Weimer, Mitchell, and Terang, the book is starting to come out against them. They're starting to hit a little bit of a funk. They're hitting a bit of a speed bump right now. How do they respond? And something that was brought up by Craig and by Tim Dillard here was the fact that, hey, Garrett Mitchell has something that he can hang his hat on that the other rookies don't have yet. And that Garrett Mitchell has a successful month in the big leagues already under his belt last September. Whereas Weimer and Terang, they have a couple of games. And now this is the point of the season where reality starts to hit you, right? Oh my gosh, we don't have another off day for another week. We're in the midst of, of you know, 10 in a row right now. Really, if you go back to that Cardinals series, it's 13 in a row. So, man, it starts to grind. You're out west. You're facing guys that are superstars of the sport. Then they go to Seattle, and that place is going to be rocking uh, as well next week. It's going to be rocking this weekend in San Diego. This is when it you start to realize the lights are a little bit brighter in the big leagues. So I'm really looking forward to see how those guys bounce back from their little speed bump that they finally hit for the first time here in 2023. So something to keep an eye out to see moving forward on this big road trip before they return home for the Red Sox. If you're listening to this on Friday, and happy 414 day, by the way, to you. Today at 10 a.m., the Brewers are making available special edition $4.14 tickets for the Tigers series coming up next week. So we really encourage you to go ahead and give a ring to the Brewers or check out Brewers.com if you want to get yourself some super discounted tickets on this 414 day. We're going to roll on. We're going to hear from Craig Council, and we're going to get to some highlights a little bit later on. Brewers Extra Innings with you to the top of the hour right here on your home of the Brewers, 620 WTMJ. Craig Council had himself a great game, hitting all the right buttons in the bullpen, and with the defensive changes, we haven't even talked about how close Joey Weimer was to robbing that home run from Trent Grisham. Man, he nearly got up to that ball. Uh, impressive stuff from the Brewers. And again, this is his mentor, Bob Melvin, uh, who he credits of his manager style on the other side with the Padres. Bob Melvin was with the Diamondbacks at the end of Council's career. Got to know him there and also uh, was a manager of the Mariners back once upon a time. So Bob Melvin's been around the game and he's been a winner with the Oakland A's. And 
he was given the option to leave when they started to tear things down, and now he's with you know maybe the most talented, richest roster in baseball. And Craig Council has learned a lot from him, and uh, I'm sure there's a, a dinner bet on the line in this series and the one later this summer here in Milwaukee, but uh, Craig Council had to hit all the buttons, especially having Colin Ray getting the start today. You can't ask for much more from what Colin did. Just one out shy of a quality start, working into the sixth inning, only allowing one run on the solo homer for Manny Machado. Man, what a day for Colin Ray back in the big leagues. Let's hear from the manager, Craig Council, after this win. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to give us uh, 17 outs and five and two thirds, you know, I was, you know, kind of, it's, it's, it's a great performance for sure. Um, he pitched really well, um, executed a whole bunch of pitches. Um, you know, was careful around the edges and and got a bunch of swings and misses too. So um, couldn't I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, I thought he was I thought he was wonderful um, and, and gave us a real chance to win. Did that maybe exceed what you were expecting out of him today? Did you have a ballpark idea? What? Yeah, I mean, he hadn't. You know, I think, and I think he's he's only been up to. He, he got extended a little longer in spring training, but he was you know 65 pitches. So, yeah. you know, we sent him out there for the sixth with the thought of two hitters, um, and then it was short. So I thought he could I thought he could rally for two hitters, and um, knew he was coming out after that second hitter. So, but just getting us. Yeah, I mean, so you get 17 outs. Um, you know, in a start like that, it's certainly exceeded it, yeah. yeah. You had talked about how important command is against their lineup, um, but the way he was able to keep the ball on the ground, too, Yeah. is that, that a good sign for him? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that's important. Um, you know, the cutter was a good pitch. I thought that was a really good pitch for him. Um, and he did he use his fastball really well. William did a nice job with it as well. Um, so... You know, any, any any pitcher that keeps the ball on the ground, that's that's a good thing. What about the, the heads up play that Willie made on, on Dixon? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the way this rule works is that that man on second start, it's it's a tough inning to come in for any pitcher, um, and uh, you know, we you know, getting that out and setting up the inning like that is is enormous, right? It's uh, you're kind of one run. It feels like it's kind of tied with the man starting on second, so knocking that lead runner out. Um, Put Yoel in a real good position. Is that a big outing for him, Craig? As you sort of like, you know, you need guys to step up in the pen, and you've had kind of individuals. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we've had a lot of big outings. So, um, you know, our, our bullpen's doing a nice job. Um, they continue to do a nice job, and they've they've been great so far. And um, you know, we're going to need it. We 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 weirdly have, we've not played that many close games, um, which is. Seemingly not normal for the Brewers, but uh, this was this was you know one of the ones that was kind of tight the whole way. It's a little little different game than we played this year, actually. It's kind of like Strez has had a target on him lately. Did that one get him in the in the same area? It, as the last one? Uh, he he's I think he's doing pretty good. I don't I think it got probably more good part of the shoe, so it didn't get as much of the foot. Um, he seemed to be he seemed to be better this time around than than, than that ankle thing for sure. Near vantage point, how close did Joey come to catching that Grisham homer? I, I wouldn't. You guys would know better than I did. I, I, I really, I didn't think he was that close, but I don't know. As I with Devin, the, the appearances haven't been super regular for him. Yeah. Not like normal anyway. So for him to be as sharp as he was tonight, is that a great? Yeah, it was a great outing. I mean, he's facing three really good hitters, and um, you know, went right through him. It was, it was impressive. Just as a baseball fan, is that ninth kind of fun to watch those two guys go? 
I, was, I mean, it was, the whole game was a good game. It was a good baseball game. Um, you know, good atmosphere. Two good teams battling it out. It was just a good baseball game. It was a great baseball game, Craig. Come on, man. That was awesome. It's a shame it was on the West Coast, so you know the East Coast wasn't awake to see it. There weren't that many games in baseball today, so I hope some folks that did stay up for that one really enjoyed it. I do want to make a point here, and I tweeted this a little bit earlier this evening. If you go back and watch that bottom of the ninth inning, the whole inning, okay, of Devin Williams versus that meat of the order, you will not notice the clock. There is still so much tension in every single pitch. So for the folks, in my opinion, you can come at me if you want. In my opinion, for the folks that are saying, oh, get rid of the pitch clock for the postseason, or oh, get rid of the pitch clock in the final three innings of the game, no. Look at that inning and tell me that wasn't electric, right? Obviously, you know the result already. But the fact is, the reason why things are so tense in the playoffs is because a walk is a rally. A hit batter is a rally. An error is a rally. A 2-0 count can be considered a rally. And you're at a point... You know, against certain batters, that every pitch matters because you know they can leave the yard at any given moment. And that was the case in the bottom of the ninth. Soto, Bogarts, and Cruz. Any pitch, any mistake, you knew the game was going to be over. And I thought the tension and the drama, there was not even, you know, Devin was one of the slowest pitchers in baseball last year. And it wasn't even flirting with the bottom of the clock at all in this one. So if he can make the adjustment, anybody can make the adjustment. I think the argument is dying for every game that we see like this. And how about the fact that it was a extra inning game in under three hours? And I'm not trying to take anything away from this incredible game, but I'm just trying to say that it's working. Guys aren't noticing it. I didn't notice it. That was such a great baseball game and uh, one that I can't wait to watch back uh, later on this season when I just want to watch a good game. So great stuff tonight. Good to hear from the manager, Craig Council. We're going to relive that game with the highlights coming up next here on 620 WTMJ. Welcome back to Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get here, go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. Colin Ray getting a spot start for the Brewers. Back-to-back spot starts for guys called up from AAA. This one went really well, and it was aided by a quick boost of offense at the top of the first from the guy they call Big Randy, Rowdy Telez. Martinez brings home the pitch, and Telez rips it down the right field line. This ball is up, and this ball is gone. Rowdy Telez inside the foul pole down the right field line for his third home run of the season, and the Brewers strike first. It's 2 to nothing, crew. Lane Grindle's call, Rowdy would not be done in this game. In the bottom of the first, Manny Machado would respond with a solo homer, but that would be all San Diego would really get against Colin Ray. He worked into the sixth inning, only allowing one run with one walk and six strikeouts. Great work from Colin back in the big leagues. Now we move ahead to the fifth inning. Mike Brasso getting the start for the third straight day, making his manager proud. A one pitch and a high drive out to center. Breaking back on it is Grisham at the warning track. At the wall, it'll fly. Mike Brasso goes deep, and the Brewers increase their lead. It's 3-1. to one. Lane Grindle once again on the call. Now we move to the seventh inning. Strzelecki relieved Ray in the sixth, got a strikeout of Manny Machado. Then he took a ball off of his cleat in the seventh on a comebacker. Runners were on first and second with one out. The batter, the Crone Zone, Jake Cronenworth. 
One, two again. Swing ground ball right to the second baseman, Terang. Flips to Adamas. Willie relay, double play, inning over. Just what the doctor ordered, and again, Peter Strzelecki delivering some fantastic work out of the bullpen for the crew. Josh Maurer on the call. So it's still 3-1 to one Brewers through seven innings of play. However, Trent Grisham would hit a two-run homer with two outs in the eighth inning off of Matt Bush to tie this contest. It meant the closers would pitch in a tie game of the ninth. Josh Hader against his old club. One, two, three in the top of the ninth inning with a strikeout against Joey Weimer. In the bottom of the ninth inning, it was the meat of the order against Devin Williams. Juan Soto, he strikes out looking on a fastball at the bottom of the zone. Xander Bogart, strikeout swinging on an elevated fastball. Then the boomstick, Nelson Cruz, the last line of defense against Williams. The 2-2 pitch to Cruz. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Got him with the airbender. Devin Williams with a smirk as he stalks off the mound and heads to that Brewers dugout. It was more than a smirk from Devin. He was absolutely fired up for that one, striking out the side against the best three, four, five hitters maybe in the game. So we go to extras, both teams, their first extra inning game. In the 10th inning, how about some guts on the base paths? We're tied at three in the 10th. The runners are taking off. Pitches a ball, throw to third, not in time. How about that? Christian Yelich gets to third base with a steal. And Willie Adamas followed him to second base. A double steal set up a sacrifice fly from Rowdy to Les on the next pitch, or a couple of pitches later, I should say. And then the Brewers are leading 4-3. to three. However, that would be all they got in, in that top of the 10th inning. So everyone's always worried, oh no, is that going to be enough? But a clutch play by Willie Adamas in the bottom of the 10th inning. On a ground ball that was hit toward the middle, the place runner on second base, Dixon, took off for third. Adamas fielded that grounder, turned to third. They throw him out there. So the fielder's choice puts a runner on first base with one out. And then a single with two outs would keep the inning alive. We're down to their last strike. It was Luis Campusano, the replacement catcher in this one, against Yoel Piams looking for his first save. Piams 0-2. Swing and a miss. Slider struck him out. And Milwaukee wins it in San Diego. It took 10 innings. What a win. Brewers take game one of four against the Padres. We're going to wrap up the show coming up after this. Stay with us. Brewers Extra Innings. Time to wrap things up on the show. Final few minutes of this one. I just want to, again, reiterate the fact that the Brewers' bullpen continues to impress. I know Matt Bush gave up the two-run homer tonight, and I really think his curveball has looked great this season. He was four scoreless outings before this one. I know it was shaky on Easter Sunday, but he looked sharp. He looked solid tonight, aside from the curveball that Grisham hit. And even then, it was a pitch below the zone. I do want to make sure to give credit to the catching core tonight, to Charlie Green, to Walker McKinvin, to Nestor Corridor, to Chris Hook, to Jim Henderson, and everybody involved with picking up William Contreras because part of the reason the Brewers are able to make trades where they go out and get a guy that maybe other teams find aren't desirable because of their defensive uh, acumen or lack thereof in William's case before arriving it's been so impressive. You're literally watching development happen live before your eyes. And I know the low strike was there for most of the night tonight. 
Mark Ripperger had a very consistent zone. But it's another thing, if you're clanking those or you're not believing you're going to get that call and you continue to, to maybe you know, not quite give it your full effort on pitches below the zone because you expect to get that call, and then all of a sudden you're not getting it. Look at William Contreras working tonight. The way that he was receiving those pitches, and I went back and looked at some film from 2022. I'm going to tweet this out here on Friday. Looking at the difference in his mechanics, it is, it's subtle, but you can just see, man, the secret sauce that the Brewers have in teaching catchers how to do what they do, it is working. They have another satisfied customer once again. I, I was so impressed with what William was doing. Every pitch matters. Count leverage matters. He was doing such a great job tonight. So kudos to those guys once again for what they've been doing so far with William. And I, and I love whenever someone asks... This has happened a few times already. Out-of-town media has asked Craig Council about, hey, what do you think about William Contreras behind the plate? Can he actually catch as much as you guys want him to catch? He's never done it before. And they immediately shut him down. Craig Council says, no, no, he has caught this much before, just not at the big league level. We are not concerned about it. And they knew this when they signed him, right? Yes, he hadn't caught that many games in the big leagues. But remember... He was an everyday catcher in AAA and AA. You know, in full season baseball, he caught 110 games in 2019. He caught uh, a, a bunch of games in 2021 while he was up and down that season with the Braves. So he is someone very comfortable behind the plate, and you figure is only going to get better by working with one of the best pitching staffs and also one of the best coaching staffs in all of baseball. So kudos to those guys. I thought tonight was a great example of hard work paying off for William Contreras. Looking ahead to tomorrow's matchup, Eric Lauer will get the ball again. And now Eric has had a tough go of things, a slow start after a bad spring training. He had a good start against the Cubs, came back down to earth against the Cardinals last Saturday. And he's going to face another very tough lineup in the Padres. He'll be countered by Michael Waka. He's been off to a good start for the Padres, 2-0 in his first two starts of the season. He's got 12 strikeouts in his 12 innings, doesn't walk many guys. He's only allowed one home run as well. Opponents only hitting 186 off of Michael Walker this season. Same time again tomorrow. It's an 8:40 first pitch Wisconsin time. It's 6:40 out in San Diego, and then we get back-to-back day games uh, over the weekend. It'll be a 3:05 game on Saturday, and also a 3:10 game on Sunday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that for an earlier start coming up this weekend. Looking for Eric Lauer to bounce back. He's going to have, there's a lot of lefties that have to be in this order for the Padres. Granted, a couple of those lefties aren't like your normal lefties. The Juan Sotos of the world, the Jacob Cronenworths of the world. But uh, see what he can do against those guys and try to guarantee at least a split in this series by taking the first two of this four-game series. Once again, the game will start at 8.40. Our coverage starts at 8.05 right here on 620 WTMJ. And another programming note as well, with the Bucks starting the postseason on Sunday, their postseason games will be on WTMJ. We will slide to our friends on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. So we still will have Brewers Extra Innings. We will just be with our sister station here at Good Karma Brands over on 94.5 WKTI ESPN Milwaukee. So we'll remind you leading up to it, Sunday, we're going to slide over to ESPN and probably that way for further conflicts down the road with Bucks playoffs and Brewers baseball. Man, what a fun one tonight. If you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. 
Stay up late with us. And remember, we've got post-game shows all weekend long. So we will have podcast forms available for you right after the fact as well. You can listen to it if you don't want to stay up late, if you've got other plans going on. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to Brewers Extra Innings. Thank you so much once again for listening. My thanks to Jeff Cirillo and to our producer, Justin Pottinger. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.